Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. Do you feel that you lack the willpower to love and obey Jesus the way you know you should? As we enter Holy Week, here's a message of encouragement from John 14. Let's listen now. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we rejoice in this journey that we take from proclaiming that Jesus is King to remembering his crucifixion, to celebrating his resurrection. But in this journey, God, we are waiting. We are waiting for Jesus now, who is ascended, to return. And so now, God, we, we lean on you. We rely on you to make yourself known to us. Show us who you are. Show us who we are. And tell us what it is that you want from us. Speak to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What do we have other than willpower to help us love and obey Jesus? When you think about it, willpower is really fascinating stuff. It is the self-control that we use over our, our actions, over our motivations. One author described willpower this way. It's as if there are three parts of the brain speaking to one another. One part of the brain is saying, I will. Another part of the brain is saying, I will not. And a third part of the brain is saying, I want. Now, when those three parts of the brain align, our willpower can be very strong. I will exercise. I will not be a couch potato. I want to be in shape. When those three parts of our brain are aligned, our willpower is strong, but sometimes they're not aligned. Sometimes they compete. I will exercise, meets, I will not sweat. (laughs) And it collides with, I want a cookie. (laughs) And when those messages in our brains are competing, our, our willpower begins to fall apart. Cheat days remind us that willpower can only go so far. Cheat days are the times that are built sometimes into diets where we can step aside from a regimented program of eating certain ways to eat more than we normally would or to eat something that we wouldn't be able to on our diets. And and some diets actually build in cheat days to help reset our metabolism as we're losing weight. But cheat days really are about giving our willpower a break because our willpower, for many of us, for many of us, our willpower is just simply limited. Without breaks, it's going to give out. Which is why, in the end, willpower is not all we need if we are to love and obey Jesus. 
You see, sometimes when we think about loving and obeying Jesus, the parts of our brain are aligned. I will love and obey Jesus. I will not walk away from my Savior, and I want to know Christ more and to experience more of his presence. But here's the truth of the matter. Because we are fallen human beings, because we experience brokenness in our lives, because we're sinful, at some point, those different messages in our minds are going to be out of alignment. Sin is going to take over, and we will fail, because willpower is not enough if we're going to love and obey Jesus. And so we come today back to John chapter 14, and we discover that when it comes to loving and obeying Jesus, we have far more than willpower alone. So in John chapter 14, Jesus is telling the disciples that he is about to leave them, that he is going to die, rise, and then ascend into heaven. He will no longer be with the disciples. But he says, I will return. And so the disciples realized they were going to go through a period of waiting for Jesus to return. We are waiting still for Jesus to return. And so the question becomes, what is God doing while we are waiting? Jesus addresses that in John chapter 14. Jesus says, while you are waiting for me to return, he says, I am preparing a place for you. Jesus goes on to say, I am revealing God the Father to you. I am hearing and empowering your prayers, and I am empowering your ministry. And he goes on to add, God the Father and I are sending the Holy Spirit into the world. And so now as we come back to John chapter 14, and as we look at verses 21 through 26 together, we're going to see Jesus telling us that we have surprising, astounding resources to help us love and obey him. What we're going to discover in these verses, first of all, is that while we wait for Jesus to return, the Holy Spirit helps us love and obey Jesus. While we wait for Jesus to return, the Holy Spirit helps us to love and obey Jesus. I'd like for you to take out your Bibles right now. If you've got a print copy with you, great. If you've got a digital copy with you, that's fine. If you don't have either, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. You're going to want to look at John chapter 14, verses 21 through 26. Keep it out after I'm done reading. Jesus goes on to say, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So now as we look at at this passage, if we go back and look at verse 21, you're going to see that Jesus is connecting, loving, and obeying him in these verses. Look at verse 21. He begins with a statement, whoever has my commandments. It's almost a question. Do you have my commandments? Meaning, do you possess them? Are they yours? Do you own these commandments? It's a bit of a conditional statement here. And he goes on, and he's adding here, and whoever keeps them, again, it's a bit of a question. Do you keep my commandments? Do you implement them? Do you follow them? And when you put together having and keeping his commandments, he's essentially saying, do you obey my commandments? And then he goes on, do you obey my commandments? Then you are the one who loves me. Obeying Jesus and loving Jesus are strongly linked. Jesus says that the one who loves me is going to be loved by God. Look in verse 21. He says that if you love me, then you are going to experience the love of the Father. And not only that, you're going to experience my love as well. I am going to love you. He says this in verse 21, and he comes down, and he says it again in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. Jesus consistently says, if you love me, God is going to love you. And not only will God love you, but God is going to make his home with you. God will be with you. Look back one more time in verse 21, and you'll see that Jesus says that if you keep my commands, you are the one who loves me, I will love you, and I will manifest myself to you. That is, I will reveal myself to you. I will reveal my will and my way to you. Then coming down again in verse 23, you're going to see that if you love Jesus by obeying him, then the Father and the Son are going to make a home with you. And then look down in verse 26, and you're going to see not only that, but God is going to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, to you. Now, let's not parse how God is present with us. Is it the Father? Is it the Son? Is it the Holy Spirit? That's not the point. It is that God is with us. Father, Son, and Spirit is with us when we obey and love Jesus. And once again, Jesus is saying that in all of this process, as you seek to love and obey me, as you seek to live as my disciples, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. He says, he is your helper. And the word that Jesus uses here that's translated helper is a beautiful word that means he is one who will come alongside of you and call out to you. He will encourage you. He will comfort you. He will lift you up. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming to you to be your helper. And in everything else we've discovered so far, as we've talked about the Holy Spirit, we recognize that God the Holy Spirit is still doing all of this. 
God the Holy Spirit is coming to us and he's convicting us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. God the Holy Spirit is coming into our lives and helping us to know Jesus, to get the gospel, to understand the Bible. When you put all of that together, what we discover is that God, the Holy Spirit, is with us to help us love and obey Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying in John 14, 21 through 26, among other things. God, the Holy Spirit, is our helper who helps us to love and obey Jesus. Now, there's some important things that we walk away from this with understanding and doing today. The first thing that we do is we connect the dots between love and obedience. Jesus connects the dots between love and obedience repeatedly. In fact, not only in verses 21 and 23 of John chapter 14 does he do it, but I don't know if you remember, last week I told you when we read John chapter 14 verse 15, I said, remember this verse. In it, Jesus is very blunt about connecting the dots between love and obedience. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's something that Jesus says in various forms in multiple places. But in John 14, 15, he is so very clear and straightforward. It's a conditional statement. It's an if-then. The then is implied, but it is strongly implied. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Jesus actually teaches on this topic multiple times. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Then you will obey me. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus actually told a very brief parable that covers this topic. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said, or the, Matthew says, and he called the people to him and said to them, this is Jesus speaking, hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Now, to understand what Jesus is saying here, we probably need to get a bit of the context in Matthew chapter 15. You see, the Jewish religious leaders, specifically the scribes and the Pharisees in Jerusalem, sent a team to heckle and to interrogate Jesus. And they came to Jesus and they asked him a question. Why is it that your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat according to the traditions of our elders? And we have to recognize about these scribes and Pharisees. They had many, many laws and many, many traditions, and they were fastidious about keeping these laws and traditions. But Jesus wanted them to understand that, that obeying laws and traditions is different than loving and obeying him with the heart. Because you see, the heart is the seat of emotion. But in that day, it is the seat of loyalty and reason as well. And Jesus told this parable to say, your heart, your emotion, your loyalty, your reason do not belong to me. It's a heart matter. He said, so you, you obey the rituals. 
You keep these little regulations and traditions. But he said, please understand in the parable, the stuff that goes into a person, and Jesus doesn't make a distinction between things that are clean and unclean, the things that go into a person just go through their system. They don't fundamentally change them. Particularly, they don't fundamentally change their heart, their emotions, their loyalty, their reason. And Jesus said, now, by contrast, what comes out of the mouth tells a very powerful story. What comes out of the mouth comes straight from the heart. And what comes out of the mouth, Jesus said, does reflect your emotions, your loyalty, and the state of your reasoning. And privately, Jesus said to the disciples, look at what comes out of the mouths of these people who claim to follow me. He said, what comes out of their mouths? It's murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. He said, that's what comes out of the heart. And it says everything, what comes out of the mouth, and it says everything about the status of the heart. Jesus is saying, they obey me in the little things, but they don't obey me in the big things. And I do not have their love. Jesus wants our love and our obedience. And as we think about the events that happened that we record on Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we recognize that the question of love and obedience was there as well. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. He approached as a king riding on the back of a donkey. Crowds greeted him by taking off their cloaks and putting them on the ground, by cutting down branches to line the street. They praised and they worshiped as Jesus went, welcoming him as a king they didn't fully yet understand. But Jesus, when he caught a glimpse of Jerusalem, his destination. In Luke chapter 19, verse 22, we read what he said. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I long for your love and obedience, but you've not given it to me. Jesus went on into Jerusalem, and he continued teaching in Jerusalem, and as he taught in Jerusalem, he made it very clear. He said, I long to gather you together, my people. I, I long to protect you and to love you, but you do not love and obey me. And now, Jesus said, there are going to be consequences for that. Jesus, God, wanted his people, Israel, to love him and to obey him with their hearts. And he wants the same thing from us. Jesus says, I want your love and your obedience. I'm not looking for your love without your obedience. That's not love. And I'm not looking for your obedience without your love, without your emotion, your loyalty, and your reason. I want you. I want it all. I want your love and your obedience. And so we connect the dots between love and obedience. Secondly, 
John chapter 14, verse 21 through 26 implies that we focus on our own behavior first. Number two, focus on your own behavior first. Now, if you look at the text, you'll see that one of the disciples asked Jesus a question, and in some ways, it seems like an obvious question. Jesus said, I'm going to manifest myself to the one who loves me, and one of the disciples asked the question in verse 22, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And we think we know what that question means, kind of, in a sense. It seems like a question about logistics, Jesus, you say you're going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world. How is that going to happen? We're almost tempted to think that what he means is like, is there like a special cave where you're going to hang out that, that we can go to and see you, but the world is not allowed into, like your king cave where you're manifesting? What, that, what is it that you're saying, Jesus? In all likelihood, though, that's not what that disciple is asking. In all likelihood, what that disciple is asking is, Lord, if you're to manifest yourself to us and not to the world, how will you judge and eliminate your enemies and build a kingdom that takes over the world? Because this is what that disciple expected Jesus to do, for him to declare an earthly kingdom and deal with his people's enemies, to deal with everyone who is an enemy. And he says, Jesus, if we're the only ones who can see you, how can you do that? Because this disciple wanted Jesus to deal with everyone else. And it's always easier for us to deal with and think about everyone else first. It's easy to see another person's sin. It's easy to look at another person and say about them, I know how you need to repent, what you need to believe, and how you need to change your life, like now. It's easy to focus on everyone else. A lady Mary Montague points out to us powerfully that we need to focus on ourselves and our own actions first. Lady Mary Montague lives in 18th century England. She was the daughter of a duke, and she was famous for having absolutely beautiful skin. Lady Mary Montague married, she married well, she married a young man who was ambitious, and he became an aristocrat, high-ranking nobleman himself. And after they married, Lady Montague developed smallpox, a devastating disease in the day. In fact, one in four people who developed smallpox died. Lady Mary Montague didn't die, though. She beat the disease, but it left her skin her beautiful skin, scarred for the rest of her life. About a year later, the British government sent Lord Montague to the Ottoman Empire as an ambassador. Lady Montague went with him. She took along their young son. And when they arrived in Istanbul, they discovered that there was a way to prevent getting smallpox. 
People in Istanbul had been inoculated against smallpox. That is, they had a small bit of dead viral matter put into their skin or their bloodstream. They developed a a, a lesser form of the disease, and it left them immune to the full disease of smallpox. And so Lady Mary had her son inoculated in Istanbul against smallpox before returning to England. Back in England, she advocated for the practice. She said, we're not doing this. We need to do this. We need to learn from the Ottomans how to inoculate our people. But nobody listened. Nobody wanted to hear what she had to say. And then an outbreak of smallpox happened in England. It was threatening London itself. Still, nobody would listen to Lady Mary. And so she had her new daughter inoculated against smallpox. Scientists watched the daughter go through the disease, recover, and be immune on the other side. And only then did people begin giving inoculation a try. Inoculation finally began to spread in England. Why? Because Lady Mary told everybody what they needed to do? No. Because Lady Mary focused on her own behavior first and led by example. One of the messages that we get from John 14, verses 21 through 26, is that we focus on our own behavior first. Jesus is speaking here to us. He's saying, I want you, me, to love and obey me. And Jesus is saying to us, the question that I need to be asking myself today is, do I love and obey Jesus? Because I must focus on my own behavior first. The third thing that that we walk away from John 14, 21 through 26 with today is that we are to accept the help God offers. Accept the help God offers. Because you see, the help that God offers is astounding. There is an astounding promise in these verses. Because you see, Jesus tells us that God is going to come and make a home in us. We see the word room or dwelling place or a place, a home. Jesus has used this term before. He used it back in John chapter 14, verse 2, where he said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? That word that he uses there, rooms, rooms, houses, places, dwelling places, Jesus says, I'm going to make a room, a place, a dwelling, a home for you. That's the very same word that he uses here in John chapter 14, verse 23, when he says, God will make his home with you. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will come to dwell in you and make their home in you. Wow. What a promise. Please understand what kind of a feedback loop 
that creates in our own lives. Because here we are asking the question, how is it that I am to love and obey Jesus? Willpower runs out. Where can I get help? And Jesus is saying, just start. Just start. Obey me. Love me. As you obey me and love me, you'll be loved by my Father. I will love you. And and my Father and I and the Holy Spirit will come and and we will make a home inside of you, a, a place where we will dwell with you. And as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Helper, dwell inside of us, hearts are reshaped. And we find it becoming easier to love and obey Jesus. And as we continue loving and obeying Jesus, that home inside of us becomes even more welcoming to God who is present, who is resident, who is welcome and at home. And it keeps getting easier and easier. Because we're fallen, we will never get to the place where we love and obey Jesus perfectly. We'll always need grace. We will always need forgiveness. But as we create a home for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our lives, loving and obeying Jesus becomes easier. And it's important because willpower is limited. A number of years ago, I decided that it was my turn, my time to lose weight. And it was because age was catching up with me. I was severely overeating and I was severely under-exercising. So I started dieting. When I started dieting, I had so much willpower. I would not eat anything that was not on the plan. And weight just began dripping off of me. Eventually, I lost 70 pounds in the process. So I had willpower. But then somebody told me that chocolate (laughs) was not the worst way to cheat on my diet. Now, I'm not here to debate the veracity of that claim. I'm just here to tell you that when I heard that, it sounded like the words of life themselves to me. (laughs) And I went to the store, and I bought the king-size Hershey's milk chocolate bar and I devoured that bar. Because willpower is limited. Let's accept the help that God offers. While we wait, for Jesus to return, God is sending the Holy Spirit, the helper, 
into our lives. God the Holy Spirit, the helper, is the one who helps us to love and obey Jesus. And that's what we want. We want to love and obey Jesus. Willpower alone will not get it done. God the Holy Spirit, that's, that's the help that we're looking for. So let's accept the help that God offers. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.